Like, you don't really get, like, a dystopia where, like, you know, the problem is just that the whales are really mean. Whales are never the oppressors. No, no. I mean, well, killer whales sometimes. They can be total dicks. But even then, it's not systemic. It's not like... I know. It's just occasional... It's just assholes. ...jerky behavior. (laughs) Bad apple killer whales. Um, (laughs) No, it's not. It's the whole way they eat. But, um... This is Queers at the End of the World Presents, a feature where we bring you brief introductions to media made by queer and trans creators. We figure every time a queer enjoys another queer's media creation, somewhere along the time stream, a cop quits his job. So Nat, what do you think about genre? Like what counts as a dystopia? Well, that's a good question, Nina. And, you know, we've been talking about apocalypse and dystopia for a while now. So we have arrived as a pair of occasional academics. I feel like we've resisted this far too long. I know. I know. I'm so tempted to just look it up on Wikipedia, but then I wouldn't be considered an (laughs) academic at all. I mean, that's what real academics do, quite frankly. (laughs) No, it's really true. It's really true. So for me, I mean, when I think about a dystopia, I think of folks in a bad situation specifically that is oppressive or exploitative. And then I also think of there being some kind of group or entity or organization, um, like a government, that's enforcing the situation as normal. So it's about systems and it's about this kind of like all-encompassing like... Absolutely. I mean, I think there's this classic image of it as this dark city. Right. And, you know, I I love cities and I love cities at night, but (laughs) I think in a dystopia there is a vision of a city as like a symbol of that like big, oppressive, heavy system of exploitation or oppression that's kind of sitting on you. Yeah. Oh, man. I feel like there's so much in that. So we're about to launch into a little bit of a Queers at the End of the World book report. Like, we're going to give you some recommendations on some of the fantastic work that's being published by Indigenous authors who are queer and trans and two-spirit and also you know, just because like, we don't know everything about everyone, we could say books that have queer trans and two spirit representation in their pages. And it got me thinking about these questions of genre, because a lot of these books that we're going to talk about, it wouldn't necessarily just be like, called a dystopia, just in terms of like strictest genre sense. But as we've been talking about over the last few episodes, many indigenous people understand themselves to be living in a post apocalypse and in a dystopian system in this moment and have kind of like opened up that possibility of thinking about the systems that we live in every day as dystopian systems in a way that for me has been really like reorienting is a word you used in the episode when we talked about Moon of the Crusted Snow. Yeah. Like reflective of a reality that it's almost in some ways refreshing to be able to acknowledge it with those words. So I went and looked around for a bunch of books that we could share with our audience members. And I have a short list of books and some of them I've read and some of them I haven't. Let's go. All right, let's do it. So um, 
I want to start with one that I love, and it's Tommy Pico's book, Nature Poem. Even though it's not a dystopia, it's so relevant to all of the conversations we've been having about nature and wilderness and who nature is for and who defines it and what it means to be like identified with the land, and then simultaneously about farts and Twitter. <laughs> That sounds awesome. It's really just like a fulsome, sensuous pleasure trove of self-naming. So I just wanted to tell y'all about it. That's Nature Poem by Tommy Pico, even though it's got nothing to do with dystopia, arguably. That sounds great. Well, to veer wildly between genres and forms and audiences, um, a much more like classic dystopian novel is The Marrow Thieves by Meti writer Sherry Dimeline. And that's a YA post-apocalypse that's set in a world that's been ravaged by climate change. And in this world, indigenous kids are being hunted and harvested for their bone marrow by white folks who believe it's going to restore their lost ability to dream. So this is like the most classic dystopian setup. And it's also an allegory for residential schools, and it's a gay love story, and it's a story about found family. So if you're into YA, this is definitely one to check out. From that dire future to an imagined past apocalypse, Rebecca Roanhorse's Black Sun takes place in a fantasy world that's based on pre-contact New Mexico. And there are religions and magics that are built on a mixture of historical research on things like Mayan sailing practices. And then there's also lots of fantasy. Roanhorse herself has kind of a complex relationship to indigenous identity and the Okeawinga people that she was adopted from. And people have been telling me about Black Sun ever since it came out. And I'm so excited to read it. It has queer and trans characters, certainly sea captains, magic, and nuanced explorations of revenge and intergenerational trauma. And I've just been waiting for it to slide off my holds list on Libby and into my ears for many weeks now. So I cannot wait to read that one myself. That sounds so good. And I'm constantly looking for books that have that kind of fantasy feeling, um, but are not Eurocentric. So like just the idea of you know, getting to feel like that sort of epic, magical kind of feeling and just having the texture of it be so different um, makes me really excited to read this too. And I hope we get to talk about it when we both had a chance to take a look. All right. So if you are excited about fantasy, I have a book that you are going to be so delighted to know exists, which is another three-part like huge doorstopper tome of like high fantasy like this book has a glossary at the back yes (laughs) yeah so it's the way of thorn and thunder by daniel heath justice who's two spirit from the cherokee nation this is the reissue by university of mexico press the books originally came out as three individual volumes but i'm pretty sure this is sort of the one that's easy to get right now and just every review i've read of the books has been glowing like talking about like the deep sensual attention and all the fantasy bells and whistles. You'll like it if you love high fantasy. And then I've also read some reviews from folks who've said that they never really read fantasy in their life before. Like they were just like, if there are dragons, I'm not into it. And now they're just LARPing all day long. So (laughs) apparently it will convert you. um, And in that way, too, it is aggressively queer. I'm here for conversions to LARPing. (laughs) Putting foam weapons in people's hands, giving you a cape, like get out there in the woods and pretend to be somebody. That should definitely be our like highest level on Patreon is is putting foam weapons in people's hands and giving them capes. (laughs) Everybody gets a seat at the table. That's right. Which is covered. Play with us. Covered in (laughs) to die. Well, that is very exciting that we have that now in our lives. So. 
yeah, that's The Way of Thorn and Thunder by Daniel Heath Justice. And then the next book I wanted to mention is impossible to get. And it's kind of unfair of me to be talking about it here. But I just love it so much. Um, It's not in print. But you might be able to find it at your local library. You might just know somebody who has an awesome, like, I don't know, collection of 90s cyberpunk novels who has their hands on it. But if you do see a copy... And you're okay with a lot of violence because it is a very violent book. You should get your hands on Red Spider White Web by Misha Noga. Um, It's actually published without the last name. It's just published as Red Spider White Web by Misha, which is an extremely powerful 90s punk energy move. Yes. It came out in 1990 and it's set in a truly nightmarish urban world where our protagonist, who's a hybrid human person named Kumo, struggles to survive as a hollow artist in a world that's just filled with trash and synthetic food and violence. And if it sounds like standard cyberpunk stuff, I just can't even tell you how much it's not. It's really about being poor and vulnerable and not even having the solid ground to stand on of an identity that you can name. And I would say, like, calling this book queer is maybe a bit of a stretch. There are no explicitly LGBTQ characters, but I kind of want to go for it anyway because it's all about hybrid bodies and, um, and you know, the strangeness and difficulty of being in a body and uh, things that I don't even actually know entirely how to talk about. Even though I read it years ago, it's still something I'm really mulling over. And the book contains, you know, some moments of like relief and even ecstasy, but it's also so grim and often stomach-churningly gross and violent. And there are scenes in it that still make me sick to think of, but I would say I do think about this book all the time. And you can find an excerpt of the book in the pages of Walking the Clouds, which is an excellent anthology of science fiction by indigenous authors. And it also includes a number of post-apocalyptic tales, including a little piece of Red Spider White Web. Yeah, I'm here in New York City and I checked the NYPL. I do see a copy there. So I think it might be one you can find in your local library. Awesome. I'm delighted to hear that. Yeah. So speaking of anthologies, I wanted to throw out one more, which is Love Beyond Body, Space, and Time. It's an LGBT and two-spirit sci-fi anthology, and I haven't had the chance to look through this one, but it sounds really right up our alley. And I wanted to end with one last anthology, and this one is very much in print. It's brand new, in fact. It was published in late 2020. So I first picked up this book because Joshua Whitehead is the editor, and he wrote the fabulous novel Johnny Appleseed, which I also highly recommend, even though it's only dystopian in the sort of non-genre sense we were talking about, where all realist fiction is dystopian, and especially when it's written by two-spirit indigenous folks in this moment. This project, Love After the End, is explicitly not dystopian. It's utopian. And in his intro, Whitehead writes about searching out romance at a pipeline protest and finding affinity in a sleeping bag sit-in that's surrounded by troops and cops. And it's a love song for the kinds of care that I think Kalyan Mendoza was talking about all the way back in our second episode. And that commitment to imagining through capitalism's ravages to a future Or even just like moments, not even necessarily like a whole future, but even just moments when we're actually post-apocalypse. I just feel like that focus is something that I and I think a lot of other people really need right now from fiction. Yeah, just the idea of looking towards the future in a way that's complicatedly hopeful, I think is another thing I would say is reorienting. Yeah, yeah, totally. And like just as an anthology, I'm really excited about what it does, which is 
kind of have this mix of contributors who are really new to me. And then also some folks whose names you might recognize, like Darcy Little Badger, who wrote a long form YA novel called Elazzo that takes place in an alternate magical America and, and has an asexual Apache teen as its protagonist. But this collection, Love After the End, really does that thing that I want anthologies to do. And then it also does this wonderful, exciting thing that I feel like there's nowhere near enough of yet, which is this imagining of a future from the margins that has room for hope and also pleasure and also desire. So those are some books that we hope that folks will want to check out. And we would love to hear from listeners too, who might have more to add. If you have a book that you feel like should be on this list, let us know. Yeah, definitely let us know. And you all can tweet at us or tell us about your book recommendations on Instagram at Queer Worlds Pod. All right, that's it for this one. Good luck out there, dear hearts. Thank you.